Welcome to the Reseller Entrepreneur, the podcast for reseller hobbyists eager to turn reselling into a successful business. Learn from Mike and other reseller entrepreneurs as they share their experiences and tips on running an online business. Here's your host, Old Fashioned Mike. Welcome 2022. Hey, welcome to the show. It's 2022. I know it's been a little bit um, sporadic as far as the episodes recently. I've, of course, the holidays hit, families come into town, all the things I would normally associate with, you know, the new year and, and Christmas obviously happened. So, uh, so I think it's been three weeks since our last episode. Sorry about that. I know there's uh, been a lot of efforts though to kind of close out the year and I'm sure you're doing the same thing. So, you know, obviously if you're using the QuickBooks replacement spreadsheet that I, uh, I have out there that, um, you know, you're going out and closing your numbers and, um, you're getting ready for the tax season, which is coming up, which is a dark day, but a necessary day, uh, in the life of a reseller. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I'm also going to go over some questions I've gotten. I've gotten a lot of questions over the past let's say month or so that I, um, there's a theme and I want to just talk about that one theme. I'm not going to go through all the questions cause I've been answering them individually. So if you sent me questions, I've actually answered them, but I'm going to, I'm getting one particular question all the time. So I'm just going to just address it. Um, and here, and then I'm going to talk about 2022 plans, kind of what I'm doing. Um, and in the reselling world and maybe a little bit in the non reselling world and, and I'm going to talk about some tech that I've purchased that I think would be kind of helpful in your business as well. Um, again, nothing really that you need, but something nice to have. And that's going to be more around, you know, you're managing your to-do lists and your calendar and things like that. Um, I found it to be really, really helpful. It's brand new. It's from Amazon. I can't say the name of it because it'll answer. So you know what it is. Actually, I'm going to say it right now. Alexa. And of course, as expected, it's listening and you're going to hear it respond. So there you go. Maybe not. Okay. So the first topic, closing out the year. So what I do, um, and you could use QuickBooks, you could use a spreadsheet, you can even use paper and pencil if you want to. But what I do is I start to tally up all my expenses throughout the year and because that's going to be incredibly, uh, well, it's going to be absolutely necessary to keep track of in your, in your uh, taxes. And the reason is, is that you want to make sure if you, if you made $10,000 this year, and I'm just making the number up, of course, but if you made $10,000 selling on eBay and other platforms this year, and you don't track your expenses, you know, those expenses are taken right off the top of those, um, uh, of those sales. So if, if you had 5,000 expenses, then you, you shouldn't be claiming $10,000 in income. You should be claiming $5,000 in income. Again, I'm not an accountant. It's a lot more complicated than that. I'm just, you know, high level. Um, but you need to be tracking that stuff, right? And you need to do it throughout the year because tracking at the end of the year, going through a book of receipts is a real problem for you, right? You know, you need to do this throughout the year. And if you hadn't done that last year in 2021, you need to do it for 2022. And so you should be, as you spend it, you should be, um, you know, keep track of it somehow, either in the spreadsheet that I've given you or a QuickBooks or, or my paper pencil, but you should definitely keep it tallied. So you're not going through a massive pile of receipts throughout the year. Now, one of the things you should also be doing is keeping track of your mileage. And there is a mileage, uh, uh, limit that you can, that you 
uh, can claim. And it's, I, I don't know what the current one is. I mean, it was 51 cents a mile, I think, but you know, check with your accountant on that or go on the on web and uh, figure it out. But, um, but essentially you need to be checking that. And the way I would do normally do that is when I was doing a lot of sourcing, you know, like Goodwill and stuff, what I would do is I just basically start from my home, drive directly to Goodwill and then make it or, or savers or any others and just having the address. And, and one of the things that I really liked about QuickBooks, which it doesn't do in my spreadsheet is it calculates the miles for you. And then you just, you know, and then I just, I would go from place to place to place. And I would use the receipts to kind of say, okay, the address of this one is the first place I went to. That's, that's 10 miles. And the next one would be five miles from that one and so on and so forth. And then back home or back to my office at the time. So now the office is the home. So keep track of that stuff because the depreciation in your car, you can't take, but the, but the, the mileage you can, right? So that's an expense. And even though you might do some other things when you're going out to those, uh, sourcing and, you know, and obviously you should keep track of that. Um, generally speaking, you could write off that mileage and that's important because, um, you know, that 10,000 miles or $10,000 you made on eBay. Um, you know, if if $2,000 expenses on your car are incurred, you know, in the form of miles, you, you need you keep track of that's a big benefit to you. All right. So I don't think any accountant would disagree with me on that one. You can't take off the payment of your car. You can't take off the insurance of your car. You're just taking the mileage, right? And now there's some rules around that. If you have a company car and that company car is a certain size and so on. So yeah, whatever. Okay. We're not, that's not what we're dealing with here. You know, you're not doing a delivery service. You're so it's not, um, you don't write it off in that way, but the mileage is important. So you should be going through all your receipts that you came, uh, you, you've incurred throughout the year. And of course, if you did it month to month, great. But if you haven't, you should have been. <laughs> and then this year, just do it this year. Right. And hopefully you won't get audited for, for last year, but don't get crazy. Um, over last year, if you didn't do it, just, you know, estimate your expenses as best as you can as you know, something you could support. And I would estimate in the low side personally, um, uh, if, uh, if you can't show it, but, um, keep track of that information. So in the new spreadsheet, you, it, I, you're able to actually track your individual, uh, individual expenses and that expenses, they roll up into the kind of your overall dashboard. I think that uh, you want something like that and QuickBooks does it too. And, um, of course you're paying $19 a month for that QuickBooks and it has some other issues and I've kind of gone over a reason why I switched, but, um, essentially you need to have a system, whatever the system is, right? I didn't find QuickBooks particularly helpful because I, it didn't really track my, um, my items at the, um, at the, uh, uh, individual sale level. And there are, there are definitely some applications out there that do do that, but QuickBooks isn't one of them. So anyway, so you should, that's what you should be doing for 2022. You're planning for it. You're, you're planning for, um, tracking your expenses and tracking your sales individually and doing it in a way that is sustainable for you. You need to make it extremely easy. Cause if you make it, if you don't make it easy for you, then what's going to happen is you're not going to do it. And if you don't do it at the end of the year, you're going to be scrambling like you did for 2021. You don't want to do that this year. No scrambling. I closed out my books. It took me probably 20 minutes. Um, and that's it for the entire year. Now I will tell you my old version of my spreadsheet was good in certain ways, but it didn't track things in the, at the transaction level as well as I would like. So, um, it did, I mean, in the sense that I knew all my traction transaction, um, 
details. It just said it was a little bit more arduous to get to them. Now with the new version of what I'm tracking, it's pretty easy. So just make it easy for you. I guess that's the the point. You want to be able to close your books in the matter of maybe an hour rather than and doing your taxes, you know, at least the tax worksheet that you give to your accountant, unless you do them yourself. But in that, in an hour, if you could do all that stuff in a couple hours, maybe uh, uh, a year, then you're, then you've done your job well. So I'm going to go to the third topic. So I'm skipping over the, the question first, because the question is going to take the longest, I think. So, um, so 2022 plans, what am I doing? What are you, what you should be doing? So I'll tell you what I'm doing. So I, I've I've talked about this quite a bit in the past about you know really boosting up the website, my own personal website for my eBay business. I, I I'm working on that right now. I, I had it done in Wix and I was I wasn't very satisfied with it, frankly. And so it's out there. It's, if you go to vintagepaperboy.com, you'll find it. It's not fantastic. Um, but I'm actually working on some details to get, uh, to use a new platform. Cause, um, I have another business, which we've, I've talked about in the past where I own a, basically a, uh, software company and I'm going to call a software company and design agency for, for websites and, and web applications, probably more accurate. So uh, I'm going to continue doing that for 2022. I'm going to kind of, I'm still going to be doing the podcast, um, every other week like we've talked about. I'm going to still be a eBay reseller like we've, we've talked about and what I continue to do. I really enjoy doing that. Um, but I am going to be spending, cause I'm starting to get some decent sized clients for my design business. So I'm going to probably end up doing, you know, still, I would say full-time ish, uh, in, uh, in, um, for vintage Paperboy, but I'm, I will be uh, doing a lot more, uh, uh, application work, um, here. So I, I, and the reason I'm doing that is just because one, I enjoy it. And two, it pays, you know, as well as eBay can do. I mean, frankly, just to be honest, um, I can make, you know, I can make probably what I make in a full month of sales in a week, um, doing, uh, doing high tech stuff. So I, and I enjoy it too. And I, you know, I'm not at the point where I don't want to, don't want to do that. So, um, the nice thing is, is that I have a good base with my eBay business or my reselling business, probably more accurate. Um, so that I, there's not a lot of pressure for me to take on a bunch of clients just because uh, I need the money, which is great. So, and this is where you want to be, right? People talk about, if you go on YouTube and, and uh, other podcasts, they have multiple streams of income. A lot of people are focusing on investments and, um, you know, doing DoorDash and Uber and things like that. In addition to the reselling business, I, I, I don't do that, but I, but I do think it's good to diversify your income, whether you do that in terms of different markets like eBay and Poshmark and Macari and so forth, or in types of work, which is um, kind of how I've approached it. I found that having selling on multiple uh, marketplaces is a little difficult only for a tracking. Um, now, of course, there's applications out there like List Perfectly, which is great, uh, which will do a lot of that stuff for you, which is if you, you know, if you're into that, that's fantastic. I just found that it was difficult for me. So that's kind of my, my uh, year 2022 in a nutshell. Now, along those lines, if you need help, actually developing your web presence. And, and I do tell you, and I'm going to tell you why too, is why I might as well put some context around it. But if you need help with uh, setting up your web presence, you know, please reach out. Um, it, you know, if, I'll give you advice for free, but if you need my help, help, I, I mean, I could do it for you and that you'll have to charge you. Sorry. 
That's just the way it is, but it will be cheap. So using uh, something like Wix is very easy for you to set up your own web presence. You don't need my help. Um, it's very easy to do. Or if you go on a Fiverr or one of the other, uh, we work or whatever, not we work, we work is a, is a different thing. Uh, Upwork. Sorry. If you go to Upwork, then you can, you can hire somebody to do it. You don't need, it doesn't need to be me. So you need to establish a web presence. And the reason beyond that is because you really want to have, when somebody buys from you, you want them to go back to your website. Now you could use eBay still as the selling platform, but you just, the reason why you want them to go back to your site is because you want them to, to, um, to buy directly from you. So you want them to put them to your listings, not somebody else's listings. Uh, once you start giving eBay, the kind of the, as a search engine, what ends up happening is, is that, uh, is that they find other people to sell an item and they might see the same item you have for cheaper. And maybe the item is the same, maybe it's not the same, but you know, to the buyer, it's perception is, is it is the same. And so what's happens is it takes, it takes your, um, your listings and your customer and basically gives them to another eBay seller. And you don't want that. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm not, I'm not as good at that, at this piece than I would like to be. And that's largely because I want to have some time constraints. And, and number two is that the tech that, I mean, Wix is good, but is not where I want it to be as far as what I want. So, and also it's, it's also expensive, right? It's going to cost you probably 30 bucks a month. So, so, um, I have another platform I'm working with right now where the hosting and all that stuff is, is cheaper. And I, there's a lot more possibilities you can use, but it requires some technical expertise, and, which I have, but uh, but you may not. Um, so for you, maybe the Wix way is the way to go, okay? Or, or Shopify or whatever, right? And Shopify is great too. Shopify does take it out of eBay's hands completely. But what you're going to do is you're going to basically give somebody a, uh, a, a flyer, if you will, uh, in every sale you make that basically directs them to your website. And maybe you give them a coupon or maybe whatever. So I've I've... There's a company that I've bought from called Card Cow. So if you go to cardcow.com, now mind you, I want you to buy from me if you're going to buy the, this thing, but you can buy from anybody really. I, I'm just kidding. So Card Cow, who's one of my competitors, um, has a little sheet that they give you and they says, well, okay, on one side it says this is what we're buying. And then on the other side it says, thank you for your order. And basically uh, I have an extensive collection and here's my website. So you can buy from me. That's fantastic. I want to do that. So I I've saved this little flyer. Um, and I did it for a little bit, but now I'm going to kind of reinstitute it. Cause now that my website or one of my websites finally good. Um, and then you can also include coupons, which is kind of cool. A physical coupon, eBay coupon. So I'm card cow doesn't use, they use Shopify, which is fine. Um, it's a little bit more technically challenging for some people, but, um, uh, you know, you don't have to use it. You can actually use a plugin with Wix, for instance, that will send you directly to their eBay store. And it looks like as if you're, they're buying from you, but they're buying directly from eBay, which is fine. And you still get incurred all the fees to me. The biggest hassle really is, is one is, is I don't have to actually worry about sales tax. Sales tax is a pain in the in the behind, um, to calculate and pay and all sorts of stuff. And I love the fact that eBay takes care of it all for you. And to me, that's worth it to not go into another platform. That's the reason why I do it. Now, I, if I was selling a hundred, 
things a day, maybe I would say, well, listen, the expense is the 10% that I'm paying or the 11% I'm paying to eBay is too much. And so I'm going to just basically take it out of platform and do it and do that. And that's great. And if you're, you know, that's what you want to do, that's what you should do. Um, I just think, and there are some applications you could buy from, um, Shopify, uh, one's called tax jar that will take care of that for you. Um, so, okay. So that's, so, I mean, you can do all that stuff. That's, but all that stuff requires work and it's just something I don't want to do too much, too much hassle. All right. Okay. Okay. The next thing I want you to do is, is you should also get, you really need to manage your to-do lists and your calendar. Um, if you're, especially if you're doing a lot of side hustles and things like that. Um, and I use, um, the Amazon Alexa. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Okay, I didn't I didn't say it loud enough good. Okay, and it um it basically will help you manage that and it puts it and I use a what they call a show, uh, Amazon show and it's like it's like a picture frame and it's got my calendar on it, my to-do list on it. Um, and everything is right there. It's really cool. So I like it again. They make a smaller version and they make the larger version. I got the larger version. I got it for Christmas, by the way. That's, uh, I didn't buy it on my own. I mean, it's like $250. So it's not horribly expensive. This, I have this, I had the old small one, but the big one is really nice. Cause it's, it's taken, it's basically taking the place, my whiteboard. I had a whiteboard that kept all my to do's and all sorts of stuff on it. Got rid of that. And it's now this thing, and then I could just basically, you know, tap on it my sticky notes, and it's all there. If I take it, you know, it's really nice, and it's all voice controlled, which is really good. So again, not required, but a nice to have. Okay, we're seventeen ish minutes into this episode, and I wanted to talk to the the last thing that's come up, and here is questions. So I've got a lot of questions. I've answered it individually, but there's one question that happens to pop up all the time. And that question is, is that what should I sell? Or is this, or is, is this a good thing to sell? Or is that a good thing to sell? So I want to give you my criteria and I've done this before, but it's been a while. So we'll do it again. And then I'll maybe some individual examples that have been presented to me. And I said, Hey, that's not a bad idea. So, okay, let me, so let's talk about this. So one of the things that, um, uh, that the daily refinement talks about is having kind of replenishable something that you could just order a bunch of, and it pops into your house or your office. And then you basically just sell it. Right. And you make $10 a profit a day for each one and you sell 10 a day. So that is a pretty elusive thing, I think in my opinion. So I don't really focus on that because, um, but, but you know, but the point is, is that you want something you'd be able to get pretty easily that you don't have to actually physically go out and get. So going to, in my opinion, just my opinion, going to the thrift store and buying things and then coming back and selling them is a great way to start, but it's not a best way to make a living out of this. 
because those sources, sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not great. And you have to move. And every time time you move and not working, like if you're driving someplace or you're walking someplace, whatever, or shopping, what ends up happening is, is that's wasted time, right? That is, that's time that is non-value add. It's, I mean, it's, it's what they call a business ad value add. It means it's a necessity, right? Um, so it doesn't really contribute to your business. It's just really a necessity. Now I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say you're going to be able to eliminate that at all. I mean, even I have to go to, 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 uh, um, antique stores on occasion, um, or shows on occasion. But what I've done is I started collecting business cards of people and, of sellers that I like to use. And then I just basically call them directly. A lot of times they're happy to actually sell off platform because they know I'm going to pay. I usually pay them. I mean, I Venmo them or PayPal them before, uh, before they ship the product and I know them, I trust them and so on. Right. And if I, but I physically talk to them and that takes a lot less time than driving. So I might spend 10 minutes on a phone with somebody who sells me a bulk lot of postcards or a bulk lot of Victorian trade cards, which I also love. Um, and that takes me 10 minutes. It doesn't take me two hours or three hours of non-productive time. So that's criteria. Number one is you want to be able to, instead of like a replenishable, you want to be able to have, you know, sellers that you buy from that will just sell you stuff. Or even if you have to drive that you, you drive once and you, it's all there and you just pick it up and go home. Right. So that's, that's a little better, but you want to minimize the time you're doing, you're driving right you, uh, out of office, not working. That's number one. My second criteria is I don't want to be taking measurements or taking a lot of photographs or minimizing the time it takes to photograph. That's really, really, you're not going to get away from photographing completely, but, um, you, you do want to minimize how long it's going to take you to do that. Right? So that's criteria number two. So processing time related to, or processing and staging time related to the product. Number three, is I want something I buy, I can buy in bulk at a reduced cost. So my cost of goods are low. I don't, you know, again, you notice how everything's working against clothing here, but I want to buy something that's in bulk, like I talked about, but then I want to be able to separate it out to individual components and be able to sell each of those components. And each of those components overall are cheaper than the one component of, let's say clothing, which is maybe five bucks at a, at a thrift store. So my average cost of goods when I was selling clothing was about five bucks and that's give or take my average cost of goods with selling Victorian trade cards, about a buck, uh, uh, postcards. Actually, I, I, it's really, I'd say it's even less than 50 cents, but although I kind of, when I sell something, I calculate it as 50 cents. It's probably more like 30 cents or 35 cents. Or when I buy in a huge quantities, maybe even 10 cents or even two cents, but essentially a lot lower. That's what I'm trying to say. And the average sales cost, uh, average, yeah, sales cost or sales uh, price, excuse me, needs to be near what clothing is, right? So it needs to be 15 to 20 bucks or more. I'm at about 22, 25, something like that right now. So that's the third. Number four, it's got to be easy to ship and it's got to be consistently the same shipping method. So using a cardboard envelope, for instance, and maybe the only variation is the size of that envelope. So that's number four. 
well, three or four. Yeah, let's call it number four. Number five is it's got to be cheap to ship. So what I'm getting at here is my cost of goods plus all my expenses related to shipping, I need to make that back by the shipping charge that I charge or make it make money back uh, even more money. So um, for instance, when I sell something, a postcard, right now I can sell that or send that postcard out uh, via the eBay standard envelope, which I like using. It's got its downsides, no doubt about it. But um, tracking being the one of them, but it's getting better. Um, and so the cost of my envelope plus the cost of postage, plus my time, if you will, to pull the item is got to be less than $3.95 is what I, would I charge. And so I make a little bit of money on that. And plus, plus the cost of good itself, it's got to be less than what I charge. So to me, I don't freak out about shipping. I don't actually have a situation where I go like, oh my God, I just sold this shirt, you know, or insert jeans, whatever. Oh, I got to spend seven bucks to send this out. I sold it for 20 bucks. I bought it for five bucks. My expenses are this, you know, you, you get the idea is you end up losing money, a huge amount of money. So now I even charge for all shipping. And by the way, I, I charge four ninety five for clothing. Do I lose money on certain items? Yes, I do but not that much, not the seven or eight or $10 I used to. And guess what? It hasn't really impacted my sales at all. Really in the clothing area. I still sell the clothes. As you remember, it's still all for sale by in bulk, by the way, if you want some, you can always contact me. I want to get rid of this of clothing and I have a lot, but, um, you know, I don't lose as much and I'm not losing anything on the other items that I, that I sell. So that'd be criteria number five, being able to charge shipping and it being less than what you're charging. So those are the criteria. And so I'll, t I'll give a few examples of things that people have asked me about. So I had uh, one, I think it was a woman, I think. I can't remember. It's been a while ago. Anyway, so somebody reached out to me and says, hey, listen, I get old washing machines and you know appliances, I think they said, or she said. I think it was a she. So she uh, said, I get appliances and I take them apart and I sell things individually. Okay. That is a really good one. Now, I mean, there is a, there is a, it, okay. What it doesn't do for me is that it takes time to, to do that, to take things apart and part it out. So, um, now it takes time for what I do to part out as well, but this person has skills to be able to go in, disassemble these things and sell the components individually. And that, and that is a really good markup by the way. So one of the things I said as a criteria, I didn't say as a criteria is sell through rate. When you sell clothes, you have to live on sell through rate. Um, but when you sell collectibles, a lot of times the sell through rate is kind of very low. It's usually about one and a half to 2% versus like eight or 9% in clothing, but you could list, you know, 10 times as much in the same amount of time. So that it really ends up evening out and there's certain storage things you don't have to worry about, which. I guess technically is another criteria, but anyway, so this person brought up saying, Hey, let's say I could take apart washing machines and sell the components individually. And the sell through rate on those things are pretty good. I checked, right? So they're great. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they're probably 10 to 15%. And sometimes bigger assemblies are even like 25 to 30%. So that's a, a great sell through rate. It's a specialized skill. So there's not a lot of people out there doing it. Doesn't mean they aren't doing it. Doesn't mean they won't have competition. But the sell-through rate's pretty high because it's a really important. Those components are one expensive. So, and if something breaks, doesn't mean all the components break. And so, people want to fix things all the time. So, it's to me that's a really good example of something that's great. 
Um, I don't know what the disassembly, how long it takes, but you could buy probably one washing machine and probably have 20 components, but those 20 components maybe cost you, remember, because you're buying a broken washing machine. And I'm just using that as an example. That broken washing machine, which has one component that's bad, you're probably buying it. Maybe maybe you're not even buying it. Maybe you're just picking it up because this person want to get, wants to get it out of their house. And then you're reselling all the other components probably maybe for $1,000, right? So your cost of goods are extremely low. Your assembly, um, your disassembly, of course, is a processing time, and that's non-value add, or actually it's business value add. So it's a necessity. And just to be clear, non-value means a complete waste of time to do. And a business value add is something that's required that you have to do it to processing something. And then value add is everything that makes you money. But the processing time has got, I would say, probably high. But if this person has a, a, um, the skills, they probably are a lot faster at it. And um, then the only thing I would think is to take in the photographs of it. But all the other information, I think, would be fairly readily available on the web. So to me, that's a really good example of something that is good. Not something I could do. I don't have storage for that. This person had no storage issues. I, I would. But that is fantastic. I think that's a really good one. Now we've talked about sports cards a million times. I'll talk about it a million one times. Uh, sports cards are good, um, but I would not focus on the big cards. The reason why is acquisition cost of the big cards is going to be pretty high. And I, I do think that there is going to be a crash at some point. I, the reason why I say that is because I was in the comic book business when I was in like college and with a friend of mine. And um, you know the bottom fell out of that. And so, I, and I think that's going to happen too. Paying, you know, four and a half million or whatever Tom Brady's rookie card was is, <laughs> you know, hey, listen, if you can, you know, it's great when you bought it for five hundred bucks and now you're selling it for four and a half million or whatever the number was. Um, that's great, but you know, one day when that that card may be worth a thousand dollars and um, the person's holding that card, unless they're uber wealthy, is going to be full filled with regret and you just don't want to have you don't want to be the guy looking for the chair when the musical chair music stops so i've always said listen there's a core group of collectors that just want to collect in particular players particular sets maybe they want to buy a set so i would focus on the other cards now mind you that's a volume play um so i always thought that was good i would i would maybe amend that to maybe be mid-level cards, maybe, you know, $5 and above or something like that. But you don't, the problem is you really want to push your average sales price higher. So it's a, it's a really, uh, so I'm going to be on the fence a little bit, frankly, on the cards now, now that I think about it. And I would say the same thing with Magic the Gathering, maybe a little bit less so, but because that's a game and, you know, there's a, some people are really into the game. So, um, you know, things like, game related cards maybe a little bit less um leery about but certainly sports cards i think um you know or i would say you have to have the right play on it so i would go on the mid-level cards i think you reduce the amount of fraud that's out there you know people trying to buy stuff you know that they don't really have the money for and you know sometimes you have people trying to tie stuff up and so they'll bid on your stuff and then they won't follow through on the transaction just so they're item can sell better. I mean, there's a whole weird thing that happens with, um, with, uh, in the sports card market, um, that I would say no generally, um, to on the high value ones, I would go for the mid-level things where people are just trying to complete their set. 
So electronics, electronics is another thing I get about. I personally don't like electronics just because I don't like to test stuff. I mean, it's very easy for me to look at, um, you know, a piece of ephemera and say, okay, yeah, that's in great condition, you know, and you know, you could be detailed about it, but it's all right there in front of you uh, when you're running through electronics, unless you're selling the exact same thing over and over and over again, you know, testing becomes an issue because you just, you, you can't test everything, I guess. And my, I, so I haven't had very much success with it. That's just me. You know, if you have a specialized knowledge, different, right? So electronics are good, high sell through rate, small to store. Um, I think one of the things that I would probably, I think that would sell is like broken items that you could still sell broken items, by the way, if you don't know this, you can go into Goodwill and buy a bunch of broken VCRs and just sell them for parts. And if you have the skills to take the parts apart, or you might, or maybe when you don't, you just say, Hey, this is broken, but it's for parts. You know, a lot of people will buy those things. And they do have a high sell-through rate, and they're relatively easy to store. And, um, you know, so I would not put um, that out of your mind as far as um, being a market to look at. Again, not my thing, but uh, certainly um, certainly is a valuable thing. But you just got to be very, very clear that you're selling something for parts only, and it's not, it's not working. And if your buy price is low, then frankly... It's not, it's not a bad, uh, not a bad thing. So I get, I get a lot of people ask me about electronics, phones too, special, special things, iPhones, you know, reselling of those things. You just got to be very, very careful on making sure that the carrier is no longer, uh, no longer owns that phone. So you just got to be very careful to make sure it's uh, unlocked so that you could sell it. Cause uh, I've personally bought a, uh, um, a phone. Actually, this happened when I was in the UK, I bought a phone that, um, that wasn't unlocked. And even though they said it was unlocked and then I tried to return it and the guy who I tried to return it argued with me and it ended up, this is one time that eBay didn't back me on something as a buyer. And I was really pretty angry about it. Almost quit eBay. And this is way before I was selling. So you got to make sure there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people out there that will try to sell you dodgy phones. And so, you know, you just got to be very careful about that. And there are YouTube videos on what to buy and what not to buy and so on and so forth. That is a very, again, you're not going to get, um, you know, a huge numbers, a huge amount of money, excuse me, for, uh, for phones. But at the same time, you know, the sell through it's fantastic. It's probably the best I've ever seen on eBay. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it's like, but certainly uh, every single time I've had a phone that I've resold it sold fast. I mean, within hours at times. And so, you know, it's a great market, right? And if you have a, a source that so you can just buy these things at bulk, now there are ways to do that. Largely, uh, you know, Facebook ads and things like that, that you buy and Craigslist and so on and so forth. But there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of downtime associated with that. Testing is not so difficult though. It's pretty much turn it on and, you know, make sure it's not, you know, something's not wrong with it, but it doesn't take much, you know, a quick visual inspection. The photos aren't too bad. You're not taking measurements. It's, it's pretty, it's actually not a bad market, but it's very, very fast paced and that's great. So, I mean, honestly, I would, if you have a way to, to get uh, items in bulk or certainly enough that's going to keep you eating uh, at the end of the month, then I'd say, go ahead and do it. The acquisition cost can be high too sometimes because people want as much for their phone as, uh, as they can get. And so your margins may not be huge. Uh, you know, whereas my margins in the collectibles market's been, is pretty good where you know, clothing less good. And this might even be more, I don't know. I mean, I don't, just don't know enough to tell you, but I think that, you know, certainly all the other, all the other, um, you know, 
criteria definitely meets. Um, and, and eBay is definitely pushing selling, um, phones and sneakers and things like that. So I say sneakers would follow into this too. If you have a, if you have a way of buying bulk sneakers, um, then that'd be great too. Cause eBay has programs that helps you ship them for less authenticate and so on and so forth. So there's, there's a lot of things that they're doing to take the, the kind of the uncertainty out of the market for you. And that's great. So again, I would say focus on criteria. So those are the big, those are the big items that I've had. There's, um, uh, there's a bunch of others too. And I'm going to say, I would say as a general rule, if you have specialized knowledge and you have, um, you have space and you have basically the source of, of how to get items, really anything that is small, that's easy to ship that's uh, that the margins are good and the seller rates good enough as far as uh, sustaining your life uh, lifestyle and both in terms of quality of life as far as you're not always shipping you're not always listing and so on um, and being able to pay for things at the end of the month and really anything is really good for you. I mean, but the specialized knowledge don't go into something that you have no specialized knowledge in until you acquire that specialized knowledge specifically in things like sneakers, watches, uh, collectible cards. You need to have that specialized knowledge because as items get more and more expensive, there are more people, there's more sharks out there trying to get, take advantage of the fact that you may not know what you need to know. There are um, people that are, um, scamming you, uh, because they want something for free or whatever. So I personally don't focus on those items. Plus they don't interest me. I mean, watches are the only thing that interests me, frankly. I mean, I have a ton of, well, had a ton of expensive watches. I've, I've downsized them um, just to kind of make my life simpler. But, um, you know, watches is, is the exception. I, I would, I would, that's the only thing I'm really interested. In. I'd love to sell watches on eBay. Um, I think that the margins on those things are though. Uh, can be very, very low uh, because your acquisition costs are extremely high. And by the way, the holding costs, if people don't buy them right away, is also very, very high. So anyway, all right, that's listen, that's it for this week. Um, I will be back in two weeks. I'll get back right back on schedule. Um, I think I'm traveling, though, during the last one, so I'll probably tr- or the next one, so I'll try to, to record it early. Anyway, so I'm going to release this right away. So I'm recording this on the second day of January 2022, and I'm going to be releasing it in about 20 minutes or so. So thank you very much for listening and, you know, support our sponsors, go to the website. If you know who you want to know who they are. Um, and you know, when you support our sponsors, you support the show and, um, that's it. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. This episode has ended, but your journey towards turning your reselling hobby into a business doesn't have to. Head on over to oldfashionedmike.com for more information and tips on running a successful reselling business. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Until next time.